0: Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to
1: emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hey, 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 and welcome to the Feeling Film podcast, listeners. I'm Aaron, and here with me for another wonderful conversation this week is my best friend and co-host, Patrick. Hello, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to Wanda Maximoff, first and foremost, and all you other moms out there <laughs> protecting your children at all. It's so thing it came out this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so out this weekend. <laughs> you know, and Multiverse of Madness is mom. I don't know if that was on oh, purpose. Oh, wow. I can't, can't possibly. It just has uh, to be a coincidence, right? That ugh, cool? I don't know. The things the MCU does. I know. It's rarely not on purpose. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought that was cool. That's well, cool. uh, how was your weekend? <laughs> it was good. Uh, last full weekend of soccer. Carson had his last game, so Woo-hoo. I won't be talking about
0: soccer anymore this weekend, or after this weekend, I don't think. Uh, he doesn't have any more games. I've got a couple that I have to ref. But I did take this opportunity to break out my uh, DSLR camera that I bought like three years ago and then promptly put in a bag and did not do anything <laughs> with And uh, from there, I was able to capture just a bunch of the team in action, pregame, halftime, things like that. And it was a lot of fun. I've, I've forgotten how much I enjoy shooting. Um, and it really just kind of made me want to do that. I've actually made a conscious choice unless something just crazy happens not to coach next fall. And so what I'd like to do is kind of pick up the the camera on Saturdays and just go out and shoot the uh, the the club for the website. So I think I might try to convinced the president of the soccer club to let me do that but it was fun had a good time with that they lost 5-0 Carson was not happy (laughs) which is just normal but I I think he was just kind of ready to have the season done he's got what's called EPA this summer which is kind of a higher level training session camp thing it's like 18 sessions three times a week and it's for nine and above and more advanced like if they know the basics it's he did a little bit of it last year, really enjoyed it, and I think it'll be a nice little transition piece between the two seasons, and then we'll reevaluate, does he want to do soccer in the fall? We'll let the summer kind of dictate that. But yeah, that was kind of my weekend, and then just a quiet Mother's Day at home. Oh, I broke my toe. Yeah, I did that too. Wait, what? So, you broke your toe? Yeah. <laughs> if you look behind me, let me point the other way. There's a, I see there's a crutch. bunch of stuff on the ground, yeah. There's oh, no, crutch. I see a crutch too. No, there's a, there's a crutch. Uh, <laughs> that's one of two that I have here. I uh, got angry. And I admit that, uh, you know, I, uh, I was angry and I did send, I kicked a bookshelf and that bookshelf did not move. My toe, unfortunately, did in the wrong direction. And so now I'm nursing a broken toe, I think, for the next few weeks, which honestly is kind of frustrating because I just got my blue belt in Taekwondo. I was kind of on a roll with training and now I've got to put that on pause to heal up. So I know now to take a breath. Take more than one breath anytime I get frustrated and just kind of step back and go, Don't break any of your bones. And I've watched
1: a it, lot so. of martial arts movies and I've never seen a broken toe stop them, just FYI. I mean, oh, well, could, I'll take you, that you into just consideration train right through as that. I
0: limp back to my bed after <laughs> we record here and think, Maybe I should be like those guys. I'm not no, I'm not. So no, anyway,
1: no, no. But no, it was a good well, one. It was really
0: cool. Yeah, you know, it's, I would say it happens, but it doesn't. And so I have to kind of it's a good go lesson. back to my, Yeah, I have to go back to my crutch-wearing, crutch-using roots from like 2014 when I had my running accident and try to figure out how to do that again, but hopefully this will only be for a few weeks and I can get back into the swing of things, but how about you? How was your weekend? I
1: was good. Uh, Just not really anything of major substance. Had my son for a couple days, and then he took off this morning to go be with his mom, so took him to see this movie, again, second time, or me, for me, a second time in IMAX and him a first time. It's become pretty much our normal flow now at this point, because Disney has pulled our plus ones from the Marvel press screenings the last few weeks, or last few films, and so I don't, I'm not able to take him with me, which I normally would, and so I've got to schedule second viewings with him for some of the blockbusters that he doesn't go to the screenings with me, which is kind of cool because then I just get to see the second ones, you know, in Dolby or whatever up best format possible that I want to see them again in. Yeah. Anyway, and in this case, it was a positive, I think, for me to get to see it again because I came out of it enjoying it even more, which is nice. And it was weird for him because, like, he hasn't watched any of the stuff, so it, it was... We'll talk about that when we get into this, but you know he, he didn't see WandaVision, he hasn't seen What If, so there was a lot of explaining things that I had to do to kind of catch him up to speed, and it's just a different kind of perspective, right, when someone has no idea what these different things mean. So anyway, before I say too much, if it's not obvious, it's Marvel week. So, of course, we're jumping in to discuss the new multiversal road trip featuring many Doctor Stranges, a very angry Scarlet Witch, and a whole lot of surprises. So this is your spoiler warning. Here we go. All right, well, that's out of the way. So this is definitely, I think, undeniably, the MCU's most horrific movie in terms of it a pure horror aesthetic. I would wager that snapping half of... Humanity out of existence is more horrific. But that being said, in a tone of filmmaking style, this is purely a horror movie at parts during large parts of it. And I think that Sam Raimi really got to show his unique type of directing style while retaining some of the Marvel formula as well. To me, it feels very much this is a little bit reductive but it feels like the marvels the evil dead and i know you don't have a huge history with that series but it is so comparable that it's pretty crazy <laughs> and honestly and i and i was really curious like patrick i was nervous about you going into this now i was nervous that i was even going to like it cuz the doctor strange first film is like among my absolute least favorite in the mcu it's just not one that i have any positive, really memory recall for whatsoever. I'll never rewatch it unless I find myself trying to rewatch the whole series for some reason. And I just didn't know with the kind of horror leaning tinge once I came out of this, how you were going to respond to it. So hit me, how did it work?
0: Well, I admit several things. One, I did not see Dr. Strange before this week. And because of the fact that I'm not into the dark arts, I'm not into the mysticism, that's just not my jam. It's kind of right up there with the epic fantasy, that kind of stuff, where I don't really need to know about sorcerers and witches and things like that. You know, give me my action, give me my space operas, that kind of stuff, which I know can have some of that, but that's not what drives it. So I honestly went into my screening going. Okay, I really want to enjoy this. I haven't been disappointed with really any of the Marvel stuff that I've watched. I also watched One Division a year ago and liked the series, thought it was cool. I have, in general, sort of tapped out when it comes to keeping up with the MCU. As a comic book fan, especially the kind of um, revival that I had as a young adult, I had the same kinds of frustrations that I have with the MCU. And I say have because I will always have the frustrations with the MCU that I had with the comics. And when you have every summer, there's a big event that Marvel puts out in the comics. I don't know if they do it anymore because I don't read them anymore. But what they have is like Avengers versus X-Men. It's like this 12-issue series that you're going to jump on. But then they have tie-in books. So if you read Spider-Man, you're going to get a little taste of what's happening in Avengers versus X-Men in Spider-Man or Hulk. And what it's designed to do is to get you to read those books. Totally fine. I get that. It's a business. The issue, though, is when you start tying in some of the other stuff and it has plot points that you're missing. So I had that kind of feeling going into this. I have not been keeping up with Hawkeye or uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and, you know, the TV series that just I don't have time for. I was talking to a friend of mine saying the the paywall formula the paywall family of all this original content has become the new spotify it's become what music was when cds were going the way of the buffalo and now you can get your music on demand now it's like you're more interested in what's going on at paramount plus and hbo max and other plus services because it's all original content and disney is obviously no exception so going into this i was like okay What do I need to know? So I googled some things and I, you know, watched my Doctor Strange. I kind of refreshed a little bit of of WandaVision. And I and I went in going, okay. I was actually less concerned about the whole zombie stuff, the Raimi stuff. I, I can really respect Raimi as a director because he's got a wide gamut of capability. I mean, he did Spider Man, he does, you know, for love of the game, which is definitely not any of those things, and then he does this. And I left my screening liking it a lot more than I thought I did. I thought I would. I thought this was gonna be, you know, probably a 45 minute conversation. We'll talk kind of ethereally about the MCU and how big and bloated it's gotten and we'll probably talk a little bit about that. But I think that as I was watching it, particularly in the second and third act, I really felt compelled. I felt attached to some of these characters. I got the 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 story a little bit more. And I think it was because I got enough exposition Early on, I had enough familiarity that I didn't have to be distracted. And I didn't have to wonder, okay, she said this, but do I really care about that? No, I don't. I mean, and that speaks to, I think, what a lot of people who are not, who are casual Marvel fans kind of experience, which is, I didn't see Thor Ragnarok, but I saw Thor Dark World. Do I need to see this? Do I need to see that? I think when it comes to the multiverse of madness... It's just a big fun mess of a great movie. And I say mess in the most positive sense because there's so much going on that you don't really have time to wonder, "Wait, did she say that 2 movies ago?" No. Like I was completely enthralled by the time we got to the second act that I was like, "Really, I have all the information I need and I left really feeling like I got a complete movie. I got a, you know, beginning, middle, end. I got a cohesive story. I got one to max off. Even if I hadn't watched WandaVision, I got enough from the beginning to see her push her arc to a logical conclusion. And I cared about that conclusion. That's what really hit me is I didn't know what was going to happen. And so when what did happen when she kills herself or when she sacrifices at the end of the movie, I was like, that felt like stakes. And it reminded me a lot of our struggles with the MCU up until Infinity War. Where we're like, where are the stakes? This movie gave us halfway real stakes (laughs) now the multiverse is the ultimate forgivable universe or caveat because if you kill somebody in universe 813 they still exist in a multitude of others you have an opportunity for them to come back so i get that at the same time i didn't feel like we were getting cheap kills i felt like we were getting legitimate kills like hey these people could really oh yep they did and I just, I really enjoyed it. I, I I was surprised at how much I left going, man, I kind of want to see that again. I kind of want to experience that a little bit more.
1: Well, good. I mean, you touched on almost everything I've written down to talk about in your initial thoughts there. So <laughs> we can dig into some of those. No, that's good. That means that they're good questions to talk through. But I, I did want to start with like the raminess of it. And we don't often go to the, you know, talk about our faith in any, perceived you know strong way i would say when we're discussing movies unless it's a faith-based you know something happening with a character's faith in the film or something but i do wanted to ask because this is a movie that is really steeped in occultism in a lot of ways like i personally had to kind of mentally get myself past that at times because it's a type of horror that i generally steer clear of my spirit just stirs when there's some real like human humanistic like non superhero type horror dealing with occultism and witchcraft and in a serious way i just i don't feel great watching that kind of storyline and at first i was a little bit concerned here because we had the dark hold and such and ultimately for me i, I kind of was able to i think compartmentalize this in a way or or it didn't bother me as much because I thought of it in terms of, you know, this is a different world. This is a comic book superhero world where Mephisto exists and fans are crying for Mephisto, which is the, essentially the Satan of the MCU to be brought in. And so there's this world where gods and multiple gods and multiple religions. And uh, Kevin Feige even came out and said at one point in the recent weeks, I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but, It was in relation to Moon Knight. So I don't think you've watched Moon Knight either, of course, but you know, Moon Knight is dealing with Egyptian gods and deities, and they're like going into the version of hell in that universe. And so now we have basically established that the MCU includes all of these different things. It includes Asgard, it includes the Egyptian hell. Like, so you basically, Kevin Faye was saying it's kind of like a concept where whatever the characters and the heroes are what their beliefs are. It's almost like that's the version that they experience, if that makes sense. So like, you're not going to see Moonlight, Moonlight, (laughs) Moon Knight going in and interacting. His, you know, he's an avatar for an Egyptian God. You're not going to see that Egyptian God mixing with the gods of Thor and Zeus, et cetera. So that in and of itself kind of like was allowed me to, I think, enjoy this more. Whereas if this had been a non-superhero story where someone had found the quote book of the damned or like and literally was using souls of, you know, dead people or whatever to get their job done and and get where they wanted to go and mass murder and all these things, I think I would have responded a lot dark more. It would have been darker for me.
0: Yeah, I think if you had put this same kind of concept in a D.C comic i think it would probably touch on more of what you're talking about because the dc characters a lot of them are grounded in fact in fact i think if you had put christopher nolan in the director's chair for for a movie like this i think there should there would have been some actualization of like "Mm, this feels a little too close to home this feels a little bit too much like he's pulling from history wrapping stuff up in a superhero environment i think allows for the ability to explore that stuff without feeling like you're being sort of taken for a a cultic ride, because I didn't believe half this crap existed. Like when I left the when I left the theater, I was like, "Oh, that's cool, yeah, fantasy." I, I don't like those concepts, but in no way do I believe that these people act. You know, the the Book of the Dead, you know, as described that way, actually exists. I don't believe in the multiverse, and so you wrap this up in a fantasy, and I think it's like you said, easier easier to digest. And it's not as prevalent, it is a plot point, but it's part of a number of different things in this movie that I think overshadow it, where it becomes a piece of something greater that's being pushed along, like the relationships that Wanda has with her <laughs> fictitious kids, I guess, and the relationship that Stephen has with Christine, and really just unpacking the multiverse as a whole. So. I was like you, I didn't really have much, because I don't have a stake in that kind of storytelling, that stuff didn't didn't bother me. If you'd put it in like a real historical setting and there were no superheroes, I would probably have more of an issue because it's almost like you're telling a little bit more of a historical narrative with more flair. And I'm like, "Eh, I don't know if I really want to support this. But as it's part of this massive MCU now, I'm okay with, you know, with, living in that for a couple hours is this one that i'm probably going to continue to like follow no I'm, i wasn't really a big fan of dr strange like you even after watching it i think he's fun to a point but i don't think he's one of my favorites and that's probably why he wasn't brought in after iron man or hulk i mean this is why we have phase two and, and B, B line characters because they're right. not as popular
1: and and why i think he in a way gets not sidelined i've seen i've actually had some arguments on twitter about this where people are like he's the co-star he's the secondary star in his own movie it's not wanda's movie we follow dr strange from the moment he wakes up out of his dream all the way through we are in his movie we're following that character wanda is simply a very strong antagonist and yes she's a scene stealer because elizabeth olsen gives the best performance and she's incredible and she has This massive thing, but I think that that is also speaks to, you know, my feelings in general is that Doctor Strange is much better as a supporting character. He's great when he's a part of the Avenger movie and the team, and if you didn't have kind of close to this like 60-40 split of him and Scarlet Witch here, it would be harder because he is just not the type of character that is carrying everything on his own in my opinion and I think that that shows they knew that and that's why this works well is he needs somebody to play off of um whereas like you don't need that really with an Iron Man you know you could we could just be with Iron Man and we're happy (laughs) you know uh we could be with Cap and we're happy and some of those like you said those first phase superheroes so Let's talk about the, uh, so Sammy Raimi-ness of it. So was there anything that you particularly liked from a Sam Rainey, Raimi design perspective? Like any of the monsters, any of the kills or just unique aesthetic of the film?
0: Well, I think the the big standout scene with me was Wanda versus uh, what I would call the Fox characters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, going after the, uh, the Illuminati with, uh, Mr. Fantastic. And, and then, um, you know, captain, captain Marvel, the, these alternate versions, the way in which those kills happened, I thought had a very, I'm familiar enough with evil dead and the, and the tone of it to be able to say this, that it was very, very much an evil dead type of you know banter and, and quick kills, that kind of thing. It didn't feel it didn't feel epic, which I like. I like that it wasn't like superhero posing everywhere. It was really just like these guys after after Mr. Fantastic gets kind of or after um, I can't remember the, the guy's name loses his, his mouth and and um, exp- his head explodes. I'm like, OK, I guess these are all casualties of war at this point. And so that whole sequence I thought was very much a a Ramy styled thing. I think that's the gloves off Ramy as opposed to Spider-Man Ramy where he's kind of kept in his cage and say, "Hey, you can create great action, but just make sure that we don't see a lot of blood." When I saw blood splatter after um after uh Carter was was killed, but we don't see what happened, we know that she was basically just cut in half and we see blood on the on the shield. I was like, "Okay, this got real." And who else is going to die? <laughs> and it reminded me a lot Aaron there's a there's a comic book series that came out a number of years ago called Deadpool kills the Marvel universe and it's yeah, essentially him walking through the literally the pages of Marvel going through this like kind of a what if scenario of, like ways that he kills every character in the Marvel universe and it was really a highlight reel of how creative he could be and this is what i felt like in that scene where you've got Wanda just doing her thing with her magic and being able to take these four big superheroes down in such creative ways. I also like the design of uh, of Strange as a zombie, very much a classic zombie look, you know, with his kind of half walk and his twitching and stuff like that. I was like, that was kind of cool. And the way in which Raimi uses the demons
1: as a cape, the because souls, the cape yeah. is a
0: yeah, as a quintessential part of his character. And the Very ability cool. to do that, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the fact that he, it has already been established by Wong earlier that they cannot get across this gap to Wondercore or whatever the name of the place is, something like that. Wondercore, Wonder Gap, or whatever <laughs> the, the freaking temple is. <laughs> Wondercore. And so, but using them, through. you know, using his magic and using. Twisting that into something that can be a boon and a positive effect to progressing his mission is pretty cool because he needs them in that moment to get across there to stand off against Wanda. He cannot get there without those. And so that was a cool visual thing for sure. And I like the zombie strange as well and the scene of the hand coming out of the ground. I mean, that's all just ripped straight from Evil Dead as well as the Bruce Campbell cameo as Pizza Papa and the hilarious end of a credit scene. I don't know if you, did you stay? I did.
0: Yeah, I did. Okay.
1: So see, that's what I want. I don't want a full trailer at the end of my credits. I want that. That was more of like the perfect, like Deadpool walking out and looking at the crowd and a towel and being like, why are you still here? Like, that's the perfect kind of thing is to kind of accentuate that that was a joke. And because in the evil dead series what you, in evil i think it's evil dead 2 there's a thing where this zombie hand is just smacking Bruce Campbell and he can't stop it it's, it's it's a gag that is intentionally being replicated in this movie in a different way and i just thought that that was really cool and i also really like the monster kill at the beginning just the With the big eyeball octopus monster that's when i knew it was going <laughs> to be real i mean that i felt like oh like we're going to like pull the eyeball out with the string on it like we're gonna I was like okay where are we going like this is going to be real uh wow for sure I think since you just brought it up let's go and talk about the superheroes so with this movie in regards to its cameos and its interesting way of bringing the multiverse and kind of essentially I would say it's second act is what that is it takes place at eight three earth eight three eight and the baxter foundation so we get these things now captain carter was the first episode of what if she is directly ripped from that black bolt is a member of the inhumans which i believe had a series already and maybe being brought back in movie format there is the alternate captain marvel also kind of a what if a scenario instead of you know brie larson it was uh, the, uh her best friend who becomes captain friend. marvel yeah and then you have you know professor xavier who everybody is dying to see the x-men brought back in and so you put him in there and then you have the ultimate fan service in that everyone wants to see john krasinski and emily blunt as reed and sue richards the Fantastic Four when they do another version of that so I enjoyed the kills as well I thought that they were creative and uniquely showed the power of Scarlet Witch in that she was turning them against themselves like by using his vocal power to create this scenario where he's like Confused and doesn't know what to do, and I think she probably triggered his voice as well. That was just a brutal kill, by the way. His head just like when you see oh, it the gosh. second time in IMAX, his head is like it like <clears throat> caves in like a like oh yeah a bomb. It, oh, it's disgusting, like a brain
0: aneurysm. It was just yeah, oh
1: gosh. And then the unraveling and of stretchy man, you know, Richards was just that was visually mm-hmm. incredible. And cutting Captain Marvel in half, obviously off screen for PG thirteen reasons, had to edit that. I thought it was kind of lame in a sense that Captain Marvel died by a statue. When you're talking about one of the most powerful beings in the universe. And she was like, Oh no. And it fell on her and she died. Like that was really lame to me. Mm -hmm. And I also felt like, you know, the the professor Xavier one's a little bit of a, it it, it, it takes a lot for me to believe even in an alternate version of him is distracted enough that he's going to just let her sneak up on him and snap his neck. But I was reading somewhere. I think that's the third time we've watched Professor X die in X-Men. Let me let <laughs>
0: let me let me, let me address Go that. Ahead. So I don't like people talking in the theater. I just don't. However, I do like some reactions here and there. There was a guy talking behind me and I just, uh, whatever. But he started cracking me up when he saw Xavier. He was like, oh, man, are you kidding me? And then when she starts killing off everybody and then we see Xavier, he's like, oh man not again not again and then she does it and he goes oh you killed him again (laughs) it's just hearing his trauma behind me was really equally as an experience as as watching this and so when i watched those kills there was a part of me that sort of snickered because it was almost as if and i know this is not true this is a patch theory that i felt like disney was sort of giving the middle finger to fox and to these other properties like we got you you know how we got you because we own you you know so we're gonna kill off your characters the best way possible not in the box office but in our movie i know that's not what happened but i i definitely felt that kind of little rush of kind of intertextuality oh my gosh i cannot believe you know it's these characters and the fact that i see john krasinski is mr fantastic i i was kind of uh, this is gonna sound bad torn no pun intended (laughs) or stretched into believing into believing that it's not that i can't believe it and i know that was fan service at the same time i think that in some ways it felt visually appealing to see the power of wanda and the way she can take down superheroes but it also felt like these 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 characters were pawns and (laughs) i'm just like you've basically solidified the fact that Wanda is the most powerful entity in the universe at this point, because she's killing off these almost unkillable characters by beating them at their own game. And so I think the fact that she's now dead, assume that she's now dead, we can probably move back and say, all right, let's just find another universe where John Krasinski is, is, is uh, Mr. Fantastic. And we'll, we'll move forward. But I, I don't, think it's bad i just i felt i felt torn there because i i it the stakes were there and that there were kills but they weren't like characters that i was connected with or what if characters or they're characters from other studios and so in
1: that regard i'm like mm, i'm 50 50 on if i like that or not so yeah i mean i'm with you 100 percent there because I, I did not like it though I, I mean i think i understand being torn is what i'm saying i'm with you because i i think on one hand you can see it as this logical and necessary threat that does allow Wanda's power to be displayed in a way that proves to you how strong she is, right? That she there's no question about they can't beat her. That's that's what it is establishing in this moment. I overall felt very let down though and I landed more on It was like a cheap hit of nostalgia to do nothing but bring them in and just them being so disposable. It didn't completely tank this movie, but what it does for me is creates a very strong fear and worry that this is it, man. We've cracked open the multiverse. We're not going back. This is it and when there are infinite versions of characters to int- of ones we know and love and infinite characters to introduce how are we going to ever care you said it yourself as much about them as we did the reason the infinity saga worked is because we literally spent 18 or whatever movies with those same core group of characters getting to know them or whatever. I didn't care one bit that Captain Carter was introduced and 10 minutes later cut in half. It didn't really do anything for me. It was annoying to me, honestly, that you would just put her in there for that reason just so she could do that and then give off her, I could do this all day line to Echo Cap and. Cut her in half, and that's it. Like, it, it was so disposable, especially using the actual actress, right? That was playing Sharon Carter, and you're using these people. So, like, it's almost like I feel like you're almost burning your hand, because if you try to bring her back as another alternate, I'm gonna, you're gonna start losing my interest. If you start having the same actors playing alternate versions of themselves, like it was cool with Doctor Strange one time in one specific movie under one scenario. Yeah, you start doing that with everybody, and you and you're kind of. Like, I think probably we were never going to get Krasinski as Reed Richards anyway. So, in a way, it's sort of fun because you're like getting to recognize that one, but it's also like, well, crap, that's all we got of him. So, we finally got to see Reed Richards or John Krasinski as Reed Richards. And all we get is him talking from a chair <laughs> and then being unraveled. And he's like one of the first to go. Like, he does nothing. He does absolutely nothing of substance in this movie that is of a strength. He He gives off some like, Quote right <laughs> about why you know why Dr. Strange needed to be controlled and, and and such, and it's just i I don't know, man yeah. it was felt so unsatisfying to me,
0: yeah, the means to an end this is this is the blessing and the curse that you get with the multiverse is that you dissolve the value of characters, you absolutely do, and I believe in the comics. this is what happened when the new fifty two came around because I think d c recognized that they had so many iterations of their popular superheroes. Superman, Superman with Lois, Superman without Lois, The Flash, The Flash is Barry Allen, The Flash is Wally West, The Flash is, you know, all these people. And it's, it's cool if you care about versions of a character, but when they get killed off and you find out, okay, we'll just replace them with another universe, same character, same actor, maybe a different style. I'll tell you where this does work, Aaron, and I'm not encouraging you to do this, but the Flash, the TV series for the first four years, uses the same character from multiple dimensions as the the this particular character throughout the season. And so this one actor gets to play different personalities each season. He's a bad guy in the first season. and He's kind of a goofy guy in the second season because he comes from a different universe. And I think those work. And at the end of the seasons, like the first four seasons, he's sort of disposable. But it doesn't feel repetitious because the actor is playing a significantly different version of his character. And so when you get into the multiverse, again, the blessing and the curse is that you have these infinite possibilities. But those infinite possibilities come with them a watered down version, stories, and characters that you've fallen in love with. Would I love to see another guy play Tony Stark as a means because we need younger actors? Sure. But do I really care? No, because I already like my Robert Downey Jr. And I don't really need to experience another Iron Man. And really, what does it matter? So now you get too many irons in the fire. Irons, Iron Man, sorry. You get too many <laughs> you know, too many characters in this. And the universe becomes so bloated that you're like, who do I focus on? What do I care about? This is the danger that I see from the MCU. That it's so big and so just Bloated with content that you're like, I don't even know what I can enjoy, and so I'm just gonna stick with my Spider Man. I'm gonna just stick with my this and that, and and I'm gonna be okay with. That. I think that's the attitude that I, as a casual MCU fan, take is that I don't want to see everything, and therefore I don't need to see multiple versions of Doctor Strange.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I was thinking about you the whole time as my closest friend that hasn't watched everything, and then obviously my son, and. There was a quote that I saw on Twitter attached to a guide for people to get caught up and you know know what was going on before seeing Dr. Strange 2. And it said this, it said these films will be completely indigestible to future audiences. How does one approach one of these movies in the year 2075 without all the prerequisites? Meanwhile, jaws will be turning 100 that year and will be instantly accessible to audiences. And it's a great kind of comparison to think about in that I'm not saying it's bad I'm not saying it's it's just it is what it is right it is just different and by nature you're not going to be able to just go back and watch Thor Dark World and be like I'm going to pop Thor Dark World on today because that's just a great movie you know like you can do that and you can enjoy it but if you haven't been introduced to this series from the start and then with all of its interconnectivity with its new TV series and stuff, you're going to have a stunted experience on some level. And I think it's going to continue to, I think it's going to grow from here. I personally feel like it's going to start being more of a bigger deal, right? They're trying hard not to do that, but man, it's getting so spider webby, pun intended too. I guess that, you know, not out of his butt that. It's going to be at the point where you know you do miss out on some things of these characters' development. You would not have known Wanda had kids and what she was even upset about when Doctor Strange is going to meet her. You wouldn't know that she had the Darkhold. You wouldn't know what the heck that meant, where she got it, and all of these things if you hadn't watched any of WandaVision. So while, yes, you could pick it up and gather the sense that this person is angry about something and she's going to go on a rampage about that. There's so much more to the investment in that character and her particular story if you have that series in the bag. And I think that that is also what is great about the MCU, though, is that while it is going to ultimately stunt itself from kind of being able to be picked up, on an individual basis it is going to be it already is the most rewarding cinematic tv created endeavor we have ever seen in our entire lifetimes and in the entire history of this entertainment art it is special it is unique and for the people like i will will quote like my ex-wife right they don't go to the movies maybe maybe once a month. They go to occasional here and there, and then they do a bunch of catch-up before the Oscars. But they watch everything in the MCU. And they watch a new rock star's breakdown video after every single episode of every single show. And they watch every single movie, and they eat it up. And they, they love, love, love the deep dive. And so if you're a person who wants to limit your time and put it all into this thing, you're going to get, such an incredible buffet within this, but it is also going to therefore gonna limit your diversity. Now that's what Disney yeah. wants because they want your money. They want mm-hmm. you to be a hundred percent invested in them and zero percent invested in the rest of the entertainment industry. They don't give a crap. Like they want you all of you, and that yeah. is what the MCU is creating. And so I'm I'm torn as a person who values love what you love, right? And also as a person who wants to champion diversity and get out there and see other stuff and spend time with things that, you, watch Tokyo Vice on HBO Max that nobody's hardly talking about because I'm telling you it's awesome, you know? Like, but you're busy because you got Moon Knight and you got it, WandaVision Rewatch and you you know, right. all these other things. And so I, ugh. I, I,
0: well, I, the frustration is very real. And two things I'll note. One, the success of the MCU as a whole is built on the community of people that have invested in it. So I've got my buddy Chris who comes in most weeks when a Marvel movie releases or some big movie releases and he'll sit down in, his, in my chair and he, we'll just talk and he'll adamantly joke that I hate Spider-Man. I don't know where that inside joke comes from but that's the joke that when he introduces me he's like this is our multimedia guy he also hates Spider-Man which is obviously not anywhere close to the truth. But that's what we'll talk about. And then I'll mention something like Oh, yeah, did you see the latest, I don't know, season of Stranger Things? Oh, yeah, I'm not really into that. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's absolutely nothing wrong. But the community of discussion, the community of involvement, community involvement that exists with the MCUers or the Star Warriors or whatever it is, I think that's equally what drives the value of being invested in those properties. I mean, I could talk to him or would want to talk to him about Coda, but he's like, yeah, I haven't gotten around to that and I would say well why not you're not you're, you uncultured swine <laughs> I wouldn't say that but I would say that you're missing out on a good movie because of the fact that I enjoy it but I have to accept that on the other end that I need to enjoy movies you know love what I love and take that one step further and say I've got to love it even if I'm by myself in it and that's really what this podcast helps serve right it's a an opportunity for you and I to talk about these movies that we have agreed to see and that we in a lot of ways, cherry pick, because we know we're going to love them. I mean, Top Gun Maverick, if it flops, it's going to destroy you. I know it will, because you've got three screenings of this already set up. And the, I don't think it will, because I think there's enough about it that we are going to look forward to, that we're going to have a good time with it. And we're going to enjoy the discussion. Why? Because we love the franchise, but we don't have to watch a prequel to Top Gun and Top Gun Origins and Top Gun The Goose <laughs> Chronicles. There's nothing about that. We can appreciate movies that we both love and we can get that conversation together. And I think that's what drives a successful MCU community. And I'll say this as well. These movies are good. That's the thing. is, I can pop into the multiverse of madness and enjoy it and not care a lick about, the, about WandaVision or about Doctor Strange because it's good. It's compelling storytelling. It's adequate. It's fine. It's what Marvel the MCU is now known for, which is good storytelling. Did it blow me away? No, and it didn't have to. It was on par with what I saw in Thor Ragnarok. You know, we were talking about Love and Thunder. We're both kind of looking forward to that, but it feels like Thor Ragnarok, which we didn't like. The only reason we didn't like it is because it wasn't Thor or Thor the Dark World. It's far enough removed that it kind of feels like a crossover between it and Guardians of the Galaxy. That's easier to digest and we can have some fun with it. So I think the MCU can be successful independently, and I don't really buy that quote, that 75 years from now these movies aren't going to mean anything. I think they will. I don't think I'll casually pop in Thor Dark World or Iron Man 2, but I will pop in the Hulk, or I'll pop in Spider-Man. I know it's not part of the MCU officially, but I remember liking these movies. And even in small doses, I can watch trilogies. I can watch the Iron Man Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3. I can watch Captain America, Captain America Civil War, Captain America Winter Soldier. I I can watch those and appreciate them without having to be fully invested in the entire franchise. And to me, that's enough. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with missing out on all the deep dive stuff. But, you know, it's the casualty of IPs (laughs) that you have. If you're fully invested, you're going to get that full investment. If you're not, you're not. And that's okay. Well, and it's...
1: It's the comic book industry manifesting itself in movies in the same way it exists. I mean, this is what happened. You got me into comics in the early 2010s-ish, really for the first time in my life. I mean, I dabbled. I'd read individual things here and there and runs, and I was very aware of comic book characters and had my favorites and stuff, but I wasn't an avid weekly box reader, and you got me into that. We started with the New 52, and- what happened, it quickly became, well, I love Batman, and I love Batman turned into, I needed to read four different versions of Batman every month, and I had to get The Bat Family, which was like five other books that month, each month, and then there was like seven, as soon as there's a crossover event, there's like seven other, eight other books you've got to read to like, make sure you know what all of the details are tying together, and how they interconnect, and it's so it's just, it's showing up in the movies and the TV shows. That's all that's happening. And it got overwhelming for me then. It feels overwhelming for me now, even though I'm still in it, I'm still doing it. Um, Sometimes I feel like at times I'm sleepwalking through it to an extent. The TV shows in particular, I haven't loved any of them. I've liked them all, but I've not had that feeling of, you know, some of the, singular films where i was like man this blows me away every single one of the tv series patrick i have felt like could have been a movie that's been my takeaway honestly i've been like this it is a good story in development yeah yeah i was like this yeah. is a good story most marvel movies are two and a half hours your six episodes you could have done this you could have done mm-hmm. this in two and a half hours and it would have been perfect and but I don't know. Anyway, so let's talk about this movie <laughs> instead of the, the two main characters. So we have Doctor Strange and we have Wanda. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to get your ideas on, on these two characters. So we have, let's start with Strange because he's kind of the lesser of the two journeys in a way. Maybe the movie doesn't give him as much attention on his or it is more subtle. But you know, we start with him going to Christine's wedding and she's getting married and we get to watch references throughout this film and we get to learn about where he got the watch and it came from her and that's why he keeps it because it's broken and all this and there's this thing that she says to him or asks him at the wedding She asks him if he's happy and this is like a reoccurring line that keeps coming up throughout the film and he's like yeah i'm happy and it feels like much like the two episodes of What If, this is another thing. Like They literally had two episodes of What If that dealt with Doctor Strange going into multiverse trying to find a Christine and him that could work together. So while that's not the crux of why he's in the multiverse this time, it's obviously still a thing that all Doctor Stranges want. What I like about that, though, Patrick, is this all culminates with one of the great lines, I think, in the MCU from an emotional Standpoint Where he is with Rachel McAdams and he says, I love you in every universe. And it's simple, but it really felt like a kind of a version of I Love You 3000 that we saw in Endgame. And it's meaningful because the character desperately wants to be with this person and knows he can't. And he really has struggled with trying to find a way to make that work without forcing it. Right. And I think he's coming to the acceptance that it's just never going to be. And that is such a relatable thing. I don't know. It is for me, especially just having gone through my own personal relationships in my life. I felt that very strongly, you know, that there's a time and place where you're just, it doesn't, These two people are not going to work because of the way that these two people are. You cannot have everything you want. He's going to pursue being Dr. Strange. That is a life that will not jive with a life with Christine in the way that she needs and desires for her happiness. And so I personally just really liked how this storyline was kind of quietly done throughout the film. It's not ever like there's no spotlight on it. Cause everything's about Wanda and the crazy, but all the way through we're getting this, you know, him interacting with the different versions of the Christine character. And, and I just thought it was a really cool thing. And I, and I, and then especially in the friendship thing too, Wong, Wong at the end specifically talks about this. And he says, sometimes I wonder about my other lives. Cause strange asks him like, are you happy? And he's like, sometimes I wonder about my other lives, but I find gratitude in this one. And that is the defining quote of the entire movie, in my opinion. That's the important factors. Like if we're going to dabble in this multiverse stuff, there's got to be grounding. And those characters are going to deal with that just as we all kind of deal with thinking about what could be that isn't. And it's about being okay with what you are and what you have and being grateful for that and making the best of that. And I just really liked how that message was handled in this. Did you have any strong feelings about it either way?
0: Well, I wasn't really a fan of the strange Christine dynamic. I mean, it was something that I wasn't vested in, but I liked the idea just like you did. And I was actually reminded of it this morning in church. We were doing a little film in theology which was kind of surprising and um it was mother's day and our pastor was talking about it's a wonderful life and all the focus has typically been on george bailey but if we look at mary hatch bailey he pointed out these really cool things about her that she never called bedford falls this crummy little town that she always supported george but she had no problem calling him out by saying you know don't take this out on the children and She was a strong character, and I love the discussion, but he also brought up this point that she saw Bedford Falls as something that didn't need fixing, that she was content with being in Bedford Falls, and not just content, but happy, and I thought about that quote that Wong said that while you look at George, who most of the movie, he is wanting to get out he's wanting to build skyscrapers he's wanting to build bridges a mile long and skyscrapers you know 10 stories high or whatever it is or 50 stories high and here's mary who wants the best in bedford falls because she doesn't see it as a fault or something that needs fixing and i think that that sentiment exists in this movie in multiple places not only with strange and christine so when he says i love you in every universe i don't You could take it one of two ways. And I did take it both ways (laughs) over the course of the last few days and just kind of mulling this over. It could be that he's like, I'm never going to stop loving you. And I'm going to kind of be halfway obsessed with it. I've lessened on that and been more like, look, the fact is you are always going to be a significant part of my life and nothing's going to change that. And I think in the case of a, a married couple who has kids, the offspring become that thing. You know, you will always be the mother of my children. That kind of that kind of sentiment. And you've said that. I mean, that's not something that's a secret. We've talked about that over the last 20 years or 15 years or how long we've been just good friends here. And I think that that exists in this movie. The same thing with Wanda. I mean, she has a similar kind of aha moment with her alternate self where her alternate self says, know that your children will be loved. By the way, these children that she's made up, by the way, it's just... Which is a whole other thing. Uh, but the fact is, there is value in contentment with where you are. That we actually called this, it's the opposite of FOMO. And it was brought up today as JOMO, the joy of missing out, the joy <laughs> of actually being in the moment and not having to pursue something that you're not a part of. And I think there's some real value in that. That if you're not fully present with your kids, if you're not fully present, in these kinds of conversations. Like if I'm just phoning this in so I can go to bed because I'm really tired, I'm not giving the full impact to this conversation. You're not having a good time and I'm not having a good time. And I think that's part of why we altered course last year and said, look, let's get back to our roots. Let's enjoy the conversation and not try to push out content. That's being, that's Jomo. That's the joy of missing out, of not having to pursue whatever. And I I, I see that in this movie. And I think that's one of the things that stuck with me after watching it is that in the midst of all this raminess of all the zombies and demons and dark powers at the heart of it, are these individuals that look at their lives in a reflection of the multiverse and say, instead of what if they're saying, they're saying now, what, what about? And, and I think that that's a really fantastic message to leave with.
1: Oh, I agree. I think that's a, a very good way to put it. And I love that line a lot that know that they will be loved line. I think that's another very much a standout scene for me in the movie with Wanda. And it is kind of weird. I think the way I've wrapped my head around it. And I'll, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not letting myself get too deep and worried about the minutiae here because we are dealing with multiverses and I'm not ready to just the, at this point, you have to start accepting some things that are not going to necessarily all be perfectly tied up little bows or else you're going to drive yourself crazy. And I'm that guy and I would drive myself crazy, but her kids exist. They didn't exist in our universe, but they clearly existed in other universes In ours. She kind of had to make them. It's just in 616 universe, I should say. And so the, anyway, but that line, I thought, man, that was such a, beautiful powerful moment of like her telling herself that like and it and it does it really speaks to what you were just saying i mean it's visualized in a really cool way in the mcu where it's like these two versions of a of a same person but essentially it's the same battle that you're saying we have internally in our own minds and hearts all the time but you just need to tell yourself that you need to tell yourself that It'll be okay, right? And I thought that that was another thing. I I enjoyed the WandaVision. I'm sorry. I think she is amazing. I love the performance. I love the character. I love the visualization of the Scarlet Witch. Always have. Just thought that the color was awesome and the way that they have used her. Even in moments where this movie gets a little wild, and it's just different colored magics being slung across the screen. And it will continue with WandaVision. They're making a series out of that Agatha Harkness character. So, you know, the purple magic, whatever hers is, <laughs> that that's going to be a thing. They look cool, though. Ooh, that fight, by the way, total tangent. But, like, the music note fight, that was sick. We I, I, I haven't even mentioned that <laughs> as a cool scene. Did you like it? I thought it was... Uh, so corny and weird, and And oh, it's totally hokey, totally hokey, but (laughs) but but just so fantastic, so ridiculous, but it looked cool. Um, yeah, the visual is fantastic. I did, I agree. But anyway, with Wanda, like I, I mean, I just find her to be uh, tremendous, and yes, I mean, I am a you know, I think she's just a really intense character in this movie that is. Gotten to the point where she is essentially a mass murderer. And it's always fascinating to me what's going to happen to these characters because, you know, like, do they get to just say, oh, my bad, (laughs) like Doctor Strange? And I think that that's sort of addressed with what happened with Xavier and, you know, the Black Bolt, like, executing Doctor Strange in this other universe for having caused that incursion that destroyed an entire universe they saved it and then they executed him for it. And I actually liked that and I wondered what was going to happen to Wanda. Now I don't think Wanda is gone. I think she'll reappear. I don't think this is the end of Scarlet Witch for us, but it will be interesting to me how they're able to bring her back and what that could look like because it's the same scenario. Like she could realize she was wrong and destroy the dark hold in all universes. And that's great. That's a good choice. But that doesn't absolve you of the mass murder of all of these mages at Carmitage, and all these people in this other universe and, you know, all of the things that she has done, there's got to be punishment for that. There's got to be a price paid. And, uh, and I like it. I like that they're dealing with that kind of stakes at this point. Um, on that individual level because we don't usually see that like we talked about kind of earlier but I I thought it was good I thought the stories worked pretty well I thought the script was a little weak and and I thought Elizabeth Olsen's performance kind of outperforms the ability of this script in Mm -hmm. a Marvel movie I think she is just a tremendous dramatic actress yeah and sometimes she brings more heavy emotional weight to her acting than the mcu feels like it is meant for <laughs> if does that
0: make sense yeah it does but i think that in a movie like this with ramy's tone it works better because it has a seriousness to it i will say that one of the things that goes through my head when i watch dr strange as a property is the i just have to think about the the behind the scenes footage without the special effects and how You've got Cumberbatch and company making their their hand gestures without things coming out. And I just think how funny that would look with them just kind of like they're composing and they're just kind of back and forth. And I mean, it's beautiful when it's done with all the special effects. But I, I'm just in my head because the comedian in me is like, I would love to see this without all that. And just how they how goofy they look, just making like contemporary dance numbers. Jamie Lee with their hands.
1: Curtis made a comment on Twitter about that. So Jamie Lee Curtis was in the other multiverse movie, the indie one called everything everywhere all at once. That is okay. Everybody's raving about it. Right. And in it, there is actual action and choreography and fight scenes. And there's also like hot dog fingers and crazy stuff that happens. <laughs> you need to see it. I'm i really do, I do it's also got a leading character. Short round is the leading man in the movie, by the way. Done. So and he's come back to do this and he, there's some great articles and interviews about how he thought his career was over. And some of the, you know, things that he had to deal with from a racism standpoint. Anyway, I'm excited for you to, to get to see it. Eventually the point is she came out and made this really salty, like attack post essentially against the MCU that specifically was joking about that and saying like, we did all this stuff, and in that other movie, all he's doing is fancy hand gestures, and like his acting consists of fancy hand gestures, you know, with <laughs> visual effects. Like, and and you're and I couldn't help the second time watch it, and I was in my head a couple times. I like removed them, yeah, the colors and stuff, and I was watching just his <laughs> his actions and and thinking intentionally about them filming scenes on green screen. (laughs) Yes. And I was like, A, it was funny. B, I think it's a lot harder than people give it credit for because Uh do you know how incredibly difficult it would be? I mean, I watched like the editing is so spectacular that it can match up a character who's looking at this thing that does not exist and having multiple like facial expression reactions to the thing that that visual effect is doing. It is pretty incredible what they're able to accomplish.
0: And yeah, I just and can't
1: I, fathom doing that. <laughs> just acting I mean, I think against nothing.
0: But I think it's more of a testament to the editing because you're reacting to the that actor too. doing his thing. And and you're right. I mean, when, when camerabatch is making a circle, when you're like, okay, here we got to make a circle. Okay, you got to make something like perfect with both of your hands. I mean, It is a marriage. It's a dance that I think is a testament to both the actor and and the editing team. And then, of course, you've got the composer behind it, especially in that scene with all the music, being able to, you know, the, the music note fight sequence, adding that to it as well. I mean, there are layers of talent that are depicted on screen, and it's almost like when you're watching a stand-up comedian, and you're like, oh, he totally messed up that joke. No, he didn't. He absolutely timed that mess up to be able to come back to it like 10 minutes later, and I think that that's why we can look at dr strange and i can make a comment like that how it would look goofy i would imagine watching this guy on a green screen doing that but you know what (laughs) on the actual screen it looks amazing and so i don't think he looks dumb i just think it's almost like well it's kind of like those youtube videos where they take popular scenes with music and they take the music out like rocky when he's running up the steps where he's like and there's no music those things matter and it makes you laugh, but you realize how much all those components together make something so beautiful. And I think in Doctor Strange especially, I think this is where it shines, is where you have great physical acting along with great editing that makes those scenes perfect.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I do. And and, I, and it is cool to rewatch these and think about that. And it just it gives it a new way to kind of pay attention to them. Any thoughts about America Chavez and that character? In her story arc, because she's introduced, obviously she has changed the game by her mere existence. Yeah. She is a comic book character; they don't do things accidentally.
0: No, I, I mean, I, and I figured that when the camera pans in to that opening scene and they're running, and it pans into her star, and I'm like, is she Star Girl? What's that? That's a DC character. I don't know. So I knew she was important. I love her capability, and I think it's a fun little origin story where. Doctor Strange is essentially allowing her the ability by the end of the movie to harness that power to say, you have the power to do this. I also love the fact that when she opens a portal, it's in the form of a star. I think that's really cool. And I think she's got a lot of potential. I also think she makes a really great kind of snarky junior Spider-Man kind of character where she's like just kind of quipping back and forth. She's not Spider-Man, obviously, but the way in which she just jokes about Oh yeah, what what you know? She's eating this pizza and she's like, "What is this? Oh, is this not supposed to do anything to my body?" It, it's that kind of comedy that I think is amped up to eleven in a lot of the earlier Marvel movies. But the tone here, those moments of levity, like in the pizza shop, make it really a great you know good script in terms of not being overly powerful with the with the comedy. And I think she provides that. I think her levity, especially her relationship with Strange is, is really a
1: great contrast, and I like their pairing throughout most of the movie, and she's you know, she's really good. Any thoughts on the ending and the end credits scene? So we have Doctor Strange with his third eyeball, which is hilarious in a way, or kind of tied to the fact that they calling themselves the Illuminati in this other universe, and that is the symbol of the Illuminati. But now he's got that, basically the Darkhold has affected him, but he seemingly is under control of it, And he meets Charlize Theron as Clea Strange, who I thought at first was Psylocke because she was purple and we were introducing X-Men already in this movie, so I thought, hey, maybe we're bringing a new Psylocke into the universe, and she had like a sword thing, was cutting things, cutting dimensions open. So I was like, yeah, it's Psylocke, but I accidentally was calling her Cypher because it's Charlize Theron, and Charlize Theron is Cypher. (laughs) And so I was wrong on multiple accounts, but anyway, I don't know who this character is. I think she like has some relation to Dormammu, which is the villain, and some weird universal thing of and Doctor Strange. I still don't know what Dormammu is or where he came from. I just know it was a big CGI thing that Doctor Strange had to beat. But yeah, anyway. I don't know. She's gonna take him multiverse hopping. I did not like it. I thought in the th- 15 seconds of screen time. I did not buy Charlize Theron as a superhero whatsoever. I was like, what? <laughs> that, I don't know, man. It just did not land for me in the slightest. And obviously we're going to get, we need context. We need story building. We need well a lot more than that. But sometimes these teasers are really cool. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's this new character. And that seems like a perfect fit. And this one, I was just like, what? I thought it was a little bit too obscure. Whatever. (laughs) Okay. There's my answer. (laughs) I'm done with stingers. I'm I'm just really
0: done with the whole. oh, gotta stick around. Like people are gonna hold their, you know, hold their bladder because they have to see, you know, what movie's coming out next. And I, I, this is the this is the crotchety old man on the porch guy coming out. Where I'm just like, cool, whatever. It's gonna be at this point in the MCU's history, it's gonna be an obscure reference to something I know nothing about probably relating to a TV show I haven't seen. And so, but I felt kind of compelled to stay because I was like, of course there's going to be a stinger and cool. Charlize Theron is coming to the MCU. Uh, whatever. Uh, I'll probably watch that because I watch most things that she's in. So, Okay.
1: <laughs> and then and then and it's also like a social faux pas now because everybody's staying seated. So you you yeah. you can't be the guy that's gonna be the one guy that gets up and everybody else is just laughing there. at you. They keep the lights <laughs> down. You know, it's like oh, it's so frustrating.
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I wanted to leave. I wanted to be that guy who's like, I'm gonna stand up for my rights as a casual MCU, and I'm like, no, I can't. I gotta watch this. But props
1: to things. it being only two hours long. I really appreciated that. Did not overstay. It's yeah. welcome for once. Thank you for that. (laughs) That's all I got. Unless you got something else. Okay.
0: No, I don't. That's a wrap for us on this edition of Feelin' Film. Uh, Be sure to check us out online, particularly in our Discord channel where a lot of the conversation can continue. Lots of good stuff going on there. Thanks for listening, everyone. We always love it when you guys tune in and love the comments. uh, Love to know how we're doing. And uh, that's awesome. Aaron, thanks for another great conversation.
1: We'll talk soon. or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat.
0: And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not
1: miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive.
0: And keep feeling film. <laughs> you don't have to be politically correct in front of me. Just be chill. Okay. Just be chill. Just be be so chill. (laughs) So chill. (laughs) Let's get it out of our system now because it's probably not going to be good to come up in the conversation.